It is now my solemn responsibility to hand over the people's gavel to a son of Bakersfield, a former small business owner, a proud product of a firefighter's household, the gentleman from the great state of California and the next speaker of the 118th Congress, Kevin McCarthy. That was easy, huh? <laughs> Welcome to 10 Minutes on Democracy. I'm Jason Franklin, Senior Advisor at One for Democracy, and today is Tuesday, January 10th, 2023, our first podcast of the new year. That clip was the introduction and beginning of House Speaker Kevin McCarthy's first official remarks as Speaker of the 118th Congress after a historic 15 rounds of voting to put the Speaker gavel in his hands. Of course, a lot has happened since our last podcast on December 20th. That clip came from capstone of a wild ride this last week, a historic and chaotic effort to select a new House speaker. I'm going to come back to that in just a moment. But I hope you all had a restful end of the year and stayed warm through the massive snowstorm that hit most of the country, um, that you're safe if you're listening to this out on the West Coast amid historic floods, and wishing you the best as we launch into what will be another intense uh, year ahead. In terms of political activities, um, since we last talked, of course, Congress passed a $1.7 trillion omnibus bill, including reforms to the Electoral Reform Act, which I'll talk about in a bit. Representative George Santos admitted to basically fabricating everything about his credentials in his past, and a kind of rising star has all of a sudden no longer been rising. Uh, an Arizona judge ruled against Carrie Lake and her challenge to the state elections results, putting to bed one of the last pieces of the 2022 elections. And Chris Mays, also in Arizona, won a recount in the Arizona attorney general race by just 280 votes. So mostly wrapped up from 2022, already looking at 2023. And let's talk about the impact of the 2022 elections on uh, legislative leadership in 23. Before we talk about the U.S. House, let's talk actually about state leadership. You may not have seen, but in Ohio, Democrats joined a Republican faction in electing a more moderate Republican Speaker of the House in Ohio, basically a repudiation of the far-right leaders who have been elected as part of the Republican caucus in Ohio. And in Pennsylvania, where Democrats actually retook the state house, there was questions of whether they'd be able to elect their own Speaker because two of their members had to resign to become lieutenant governor, and a member of Congress. But indeed, Democrats joined, were joined by a couple of Republicans to elect a moderate Democrat to lead the Pennsylvania State House. although the legislating and the lawsuits in Pennsylvania will continue for a little bit to figure out some details of what that means for special elections and other things. And in Alaska, we're just nine days before the legislature reconvenes in Juneau, and the State House has yet to organize, with both the House existing mostly Democratic coalition majority 
and the Republican caucus, both short of a 21 majority to figure out who will lead the Alaska House. Their goal is to avoid what happened in 2019 and in 2021, where the House in Alaska didn't elect a leader until a month after the start of the session. So all eyes have been on the U.S. House, but we see many of the same dynamics playing out in key states around the country. Uh, But let's talk about the U.S. House. Of course, on Saturday, 57-year-old Republican representative from California, Kevin McCarthy, elected Speaker of the House. It was 15 votes to get there over five days. It has taken more time to elect a Speaker than any time since 1859, illustrating the deep divisions in the Republican caucus. Ultimately, he won 216 votes to 212, fewer than half of the total House votes, because he got six Republicans to opt out by voting present. Thought they were going to be there on the 14th ballot, but Matt Gates withdrew, withheld his vote, almost had a physical altercation with Republican Mike Rogers on the floor of the House as a result, but finally changed. And what changed were a whole set of concessions, which are going to set up a really intense year. Any member of the House can call a no-confidence vote to replace Kevin McCarthy, and conservatives are going to be able to tie spending cuts to raising the debt ceiling, meaning the debt ceiling fight is going to be a matter of brinkmanship and could end up defaulting on the national debt would be a huge economic uh, calamity if it happened. They're going to divvy up all of the 12 appropriations bills and require 72 hours notice to move any legislation forward. That's actually not that bad. That's We would want everyone to be seeing legislation but it limits McCarthy's ability to make last-minute deals and push things through, um, and it makes deadlines that much harder to meet. They're also talking about a 10-year plan to balance the budget with long-term cuts to Medicare and Social Security, whether that stands up. Of course, they're already starting to roll out some of the investigations that they're planning to do, and they're going to put more conservative members onto key subcommittees. So all in all, it's going to make for a very difficult time for the Republican majority in the House to pass anything or to move forward. And we're going to see a rocky start to the year. We also saw at the same time as we had that speaker fight, the anniversary of January 6th, and you saw Democrats, dozens of veterans calling on House Republican leaders to condemn political violence. No House Republicans joined that condemnation. And on Friday, President Joe Biden hosted a ceremony where he awarded dozens of pe- a dozen people the Presidential Citizens Medal, which people who demonstrated courage and selflessness during a moment of peril for our nation, is what he said. This included several Capitol Hill police officers, election workers in Fulton County, Georgia, local Republican leaders who rejected widespread but unfounded election fraud claims, including the Arizona House Speaker who resisted Trump's calls to change election results in Arizona, and Al Schmidt, a former Republican city commissioner in Philadelphia, and now the new Pennsylvania Secretary of State nominee, as well as Jocelyn Benson, the current Michigan Secretary of State. So kind of a commemoration moment. We also at that same time saw President Lula being sworn in in Brazil, and hundreds or thousands of Brazilian protesters, supporters of Bolsonaro, invading Congress, the Supreme Court, Presidential Palace in Brazil, kind of an echo of the January 6th assault on the Capitol. And you see kind of this wave of anti-democratic sentiment around the world and the pushback and kind of how do we bring democracy back from the edge in Brazil, in the U.S., elsewhere. 
speaking of bringing it back from the edge, the final thing I want to talk about today is, of course, about what has been happening to bring our democracy back from the edge in terms of voting rights. We saw that Electoral Reform Act get included and passed in that big omnibus bill. There had been calls at the time saying, don't pass it, wait until the House majority is sworn in. Of course, seeing what happened with the House uh, Speaker elections, we're very grateful that we got this omnibus bill passed, both for funding the government for months, so we get a breathing room around how to keep the government going, and to pass the Electoral Reform Act, which would have been really hard or impossible to pass with the new hardliners in the Republican caucus. But that reform clarified that the vice president's role in the proceedings to count the Electoral College votes is purely ceremonial. It also, importantly, and didn't get enough kind of notice at the time, raises the bar for objecting to a state's slate of electors. Before this passed, one member of the House and one senator could challenge a state elector's slate and send both chambers into a days-long debate period, even if there was no legitimate concerns. Now, you would need 20% of the House and 20% of the Senate to challenge any slate of electors designed to basically eliminate some of the roadblocks that came in January 6th. Now, this is also, there will be new roadblocks, there will be new problems, but at least being able to fix the ones that came up before is an important one. Moving forward in this coming year, we'll keep talking about state voting rights, of course. You know, Minnesota Democrats have already come out saying that they see themselves as having a mandate to pass a raft of pro-voter policies. The election bill seems likely to prioritize automatic voter registration as well as rights restoration. Um, but we're seeing in other places like Ohio, a new anti-voter bill that is including stricter voter IDs, restricting drop boxes, eliminating a day of early voting. So the back and forth state by state on what's going to happen is going to be important, especially because it seems unlikely to have any more federal action on voting rights in the current split Congress. We're also going to see a lot more court cases to come. And we saw this week a federal court struck down the South Carolina congressional map on the basis of the 14th Amendment and that it was a racial gerrymander. So a reminder of how important these court cases around gerrymandering are. We're going to see more of those moving forward. We're also going to see shifts as like in North Carolina, the Supreme Court changed and whether they're going to redraw their map in North Carolina as a result. Things we'll be keeping track of in the coming weeks. But for now... That's all for this week's or couple weeks review of American democracy. There's so much we could talk about, but we will over the coming weeks. And we're looking forward to some changes in our format in the weeks to come too. Some looks at longer term trends impacting our democracy, recommendations on how you can take action through donations and time to strengthen our democracy and more. But for now, I just want to wish you a wonderful week and a wonderful year. And I look forward to talking with you again next week in 10 Minutes on Democracy. Take care.